This is the Good Neighbor Podcast, the place where local businesses and neighbors come together. Here's your host, Mike Sedita. Hello out there. Welcome to the Good Neighbor Podcast, Pasco County. My name is Mike Sedita, and we are here recording episode number 44. And we are thrilled to have Jareen Kiesler. She is an independent educational consultant with Admissions Untangled. Jareen, how are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks for having me. So glad to have you on. Let me tell you a little bit about the Good Neighbor Podcast, how we got started and why we do what we do, and then we'll get into a little bit about your business. So the Good Neighbor Podcast started, excuse me, started in 2020 during COVID. And the, the whole premise behind doing this was that business owners like yourself and myself could meet have a discussion about your business, talk a little bit about how you got into doing what you do and bring that message to the community in a way that was socially distant, you know, with the compliant that compliance that we needed back then. And now three years later, we're a national podcast. We have podcasts in Atlanta, Virginia, all over the country. And I'm the person here lucky enough in Tampa to talk to different business owners to find out about what they do and what makes them tick. So welcome Tell us a little bit about Admissions Untangled. Well, thank you for having me. So with Admissions Untangled, um, what I do is I work with students and families with grades 8 through 12 and help them find their best educational fit. And um, there are many of us who work at, independently with students, and we help them build their academic and educational profile, um, ultimately to build their college application. So it really gets busy during the college application season. The Common App will open on August 1st. But I will work with students from grade eight up until grade 12. Primarily, I work with students who are um, looking to go to college. And then I also work with students who think and learn differently who might be uh, neurodivergent and who also are thinking about the college process. So many questions out of that. Um, I guess the first question I have is expand on neurodivergent. What is that? So um, people who think and learn differently that might be on the autism spectrum or have some kind of learning difference, um, that is also me, is me, myself. And, um, you know, I tell the students back in the dark ages, back before the internet, um, and in the 70s and 80s, they just didn't know a lot about the autism spectrum and, you know, how kids think and learn differently. And particularly with girls, girls are really underdiagnosed. And um, why you know, is that, do you think? Because stereotypically with girls, they're not the attention seekers, the troublemakers. And um, it, it just we're, we're a very underdiagnosed population. And um I didn't get a complete diagnosis until my 30s. Mm. And again, st stereotypically, I come, I'm a Tampa native and um, Florida native, and I come from a Latin family. And in the Hispanic community, you don't talk about it, it doesn't exist. Everything's great. Yeah. And, but if you are the person living with it, you know something's not right. You know that you are thinking and learning differently than your peers. Well, I can tell you just off of that, uh, you went to different schools than the girls I went to school because the non-attention seeking, uh, that, that wasn't necessarily the case with us. It was everybody was seeking attention, and especially kids that might have needed a little bit more of attention. They stood out 
Like we had, it, it is a crazy different time. Like when I was in school growing up, there was a whole separate classroom, like a section in my school for, and they didn't call it special needs. And they, they just said that was like special ed is what they called it because those kids couldn't learn in a classroom with 20 students. They needed more, a smaller unit to be able to absorb stuff and be taught in a different way. But there is definitely a um, difference to that. And they're just, I, I'm thinking back to me growing, I mean, this is a hundred years ago, but there weren't a lot of girls in those classes, but there were still a lot of girls that were attention seeking, whether it was ADHD or somewhere in different ways, because we, we seek it out in, in different ways. So okay. I was a, an avid reader, so I wasn't out like loud and boisterous, you know, gotcha. like hidden my books and, right. you know, it, it just got to the point and I was in, in parochial school and Catholic school from grades oh. um, K through 12. And they're just, at least then there just wasn't the, the resources that the public school system has. And then what we've noticed, I mean, I'm in a member of an organization called IECA and my colleagues who are scattered throughout Hillsborough, Pinellas, Pasco County, that are also members of IECA. Um, the average school counselor is, counselor to student ratio is one to 600. So the average student Ooh. gets 13 minutes over four years and it's not their fault. It, it, there's just, you know, it, the resources are spread too thin. So about 40 years ago, someone, um, the independent counselor came along and we provide one-on-one -on -one tailored guidance for the students. And there's also, I do a lot of pro bono work. I work with military students going back to school. So it's on, it's on all different levels. Okay. So I, I don't want to, I'm not, I'm just trying to boil this down because I, I, I need like a rudimentary explanation of this. So what I'm kind of hearing you say to me is essentially because of the ratio in schools, in the school environment, this IECA, this Independent Educational Consultant Association, was created so that basically parents were able to go in and say, look, I know Johnny or Jane needs additional guidance beyond the, the 17 minutes they're going to get in their four years of high school. So they hire you to come in and start with them at eighth grade. Probably, I mean, I would assume it could be even sooner than that, because I remember in my growing up, parochial school, you could go to Catholic school, you could go through uh, K through eight in public school and then go to high school parochial. Correct. But um, so you're coming in and basically you're saying to, to Jane or Jimmy or whatever and going, okay, here's your grades, here's your extracurricular activities, here's your interests and kind of helping to guide them through the process to make them as attractive as a possible for when the finding, finding the best college fit. And what's really surprising to parents is that, you know, like if we kind of mentioned our agitators, like, you know, back Back in the day, you know, it was far easier to get into South Florida, into University of Florida, Florida State, and the average incoming GPA is about a 4.2, so better than perfect, and about a 1,300, and yeah. It, it's, yeah. it's gotten really tough, and it's, it, it's surprising the parents a lot how complicated and complex it is to, to get those scores and to to get everything done. And, you know, and what I tell parents is that, yeah, those are excellent schools. There's just not enough beds. There's just not enough beds available at Florida, Florida State, you know, 
University of South Florida and to look elsewhere, to look at your Florida Gulf Coast or Florida Southern or private right. schools because the scholarships are out there. And really it's about finding what's the best school that fits for your kid. You know. Okay, so now that you touched on that, that's my next question. Okay, so, well, first, my first question is, if they're not a college student, if there's someone that needs to be in the trades or something like that, you're not really bringing them through the process because there's plenty of trade schools that they could go and find their trade, or are you helping them maybe to guide them to realize, look, I'm not college material, I, I need to go to a trade school. Does, is that part of it or no? Well, we do talk about that. That particular that piece of it might not be me, but I have colleagues that do that. Okay. That so will... then the next question we're talking on your slice of it. Okay, these are co- these are wannabe college bound kids. Parents are basically essentially privatizing through you through their own money and funds. Besides the pro bono stuff, saying, "Look, I know my kid needs to get into college. I know it's competitive." I'm going to work with you to get them as attractive as possible for the college that's right for them. And then do you also help them? Like you mentioned private schools that there's scholarships available. Absolutely. I, I help them look for merit scholarships and merit with what I tell the students and parents is merit scholarships is solely based on academics. It's solely based on their grades. So I, if they've done that well in school, you know, let's try to be as debt-free as possible and yeah. help them find the sc- school that's not only the best fit, but where they're going to, you know, not have to carry any debt. Like, for example, the Ivies, they're great schools, obviously, Harvard, Brown, Duke, Yale, Penn, fantastic schools, but they don't offer merit aid. Right. And it's you're coming out of there with a lot of debt. And if we can find them a school that yeah, half a million get, dollars. I mean, it's a half a million dollars worth of debt after four years, at least. Right. And if we can find them a school that they can get everything covered, um, you know, like there's schools that offer tuition, room, board, and a stipend. Let's go for it. You know, if you, right. if we think that you're competitive enough for those kinds of opportunities, then let's do that. So you're able to help them navigate those tricky waters. And do you even go as far as okay, so. Now, um, I, you started with me in eighth grade. We have crafted this educational resume till I'm in, uh, you know, finishing tenth or eleventh grade. Uh, we've identified the schools I want to apply to. Now it's, I guess, the beginning of my. Ju- when do you start applying? Beginning of your junior year? Beginning of your senior year? The beginning of senior year, August first. Um, it's called the Common App, and almost all the colleges use the Common App and apply on through that vehicle online and. Then if you wanted scholarships, there's a deadline for that. And you can apply what we call early action or early decision. Early decision is like a binding contract. If you apply early decision, then you've agreed. If they accept you, you're going. If you apply early action, that means you're, like I tell the students, it's like kind of like dating. If you're applying early decision, you know, you kind of serious. You're kind of making a commitment here. And you kind of going steady but if so that's the, kid who, that's the kid who knows he wants to go to that school he applies right. that way that but that's like number one is, choice early action is oh i want to date around a little bit i'm, I'm weighing my options seeing who gives me the better offer okay. and then you have schools that we call rolling admissions that you know they're accepting them all the way until the very end okay. so it, it all, all of those options have their advantages and disadvantages, and we tell the students to apply to schools that are 
um, safety, which, you know, based on your academic profile, you know, you're going to get in. Right. And then schools that are target, again, based on your academic profile, yeah, we think you're going to get in. And then a couple that are reach. But if I have a student that they're only looking at reach at Harvard, Brown, Duke, Yale, Penn, I had, we had a student two seasons ago that was denied a state school here in Florida. I won't say which one, but denied the state school in Florida, but got into MIT. Really? Yes. So is it because of the way they applied? Like did they apply? Uh, like my question to you is, and, and you said the three options, but if I'm applying where I want to go steady and I don't get in on that option with that school, can I still apply to other schools that I want to just date and hopefully I get in those? Correct. Yes. But you right. can't, you can't apply to go steady, but, but, but once. Okay. Okay. I got gotcha. you. All right. That makes sense. So then the next question I have for you from a, from a timing stamina. So now I've applied to, let's say, let's say four schools, one, one that I want to go steady with two that I want to date and one that's a reach. And I get accepted to all four of them. Now I come back to you and I say, okay, what's the next steps? Do you now help them evaluate all the yes. different nuance to each one of those? Ideally, we're evaluating. That's a great question. Ideally, we're evaluating the nuances all the way through. And ideally, at this point, if it's financially feasible, they've at least visited one or two of the campuses and, you know, gone in person. And, you know, one of the advantages of COVID is there's a lot of virtual visits where you can yeah. speak to the admissions counselor. It's not the same thing. It's definitely not the same thing as being there. Right. But you can speak to admissions counselors. You can speak to students. And you can kind of eliminate some things like, yeah, I've gotten kind of this vibe at this campus and it's not me. Or, you know, if but what I really don't want to see happen is students say, well, yeah, there's I can apply to 10 schools on the Common App and I'm just going to apply to apply because it's not a good use of anyone's time. Mm -hmm. Because if you're applying to a school that you know that mom and dad can't afford it, then don't apply there. Right. Right. So. Apply to a school that you know that you can afford, that you think that if I got in, I'm kind of interested. This might, I would this go, might work right. out. Yes. Now, is there with the common app? I mean, like I remember, again, 100 years ago, I had to get a paper application. I had Absolutely. to include, include a check with each application. That's so with correct. the common app, if I select six schools, I have to pay six application fees, even though I fill out that one common app. Click send and for each school and you're done. So they've made it very streamlined and it's, it's and is it one fee? It depends on the school. So okay, the, so it could be it could be multiple fees. So Johnny who decides I'm gonna to apply to twelve schools, he's paying twelve fees generally to, to test the water. Right. And then depending on the selectivity of the school, you know, like I mentioned earlier, like with the Harvard Brown Duke, Yale Penn, and that ilk of school, the number of essays exponentially increases that you're writing. So mm. if I have a student that is really on a high tier level and I said, you know, I have one that right now that's applying to all those schools. And at the end of it, we have 36 essays to write. And I said, Ugh. did you realize? And, and they didn't. And I said, well, that's what we're in for. And we haven't started. So they can't use the same essay for 36 different schools. They're going to somehow share that essay. It depends. Okay. And that's a lot of my answer to parents is it depends because if the questions are different because a Harvard oh, is right, very right, different right. than a Duke, a Duke is very right. different than, you know, a Stanford, each school is very different and right. they're going to tailor, tailor those questions. And I tell the student, I said, you're going to spend the next four years of your life there. And I calculated it out into number of hours and minutes and days. 
And I said, don't you want to know what you're getting into? Go on the website and look at, you know, look at the classes, look at the professors, email the admissions counselors, you know, and we'll think of things to, to ask them if, if this is going to be the right fit for you. Well, yeah, and, and even going back a little bit further to initially what we talked about, I mean, for me, I know going, I grew up, where I grew up, the schools were very small. So I had a very low, small class size. Some people I went to high school with went to Penn State in State College right out of my small 100-student class that I graduated with. And they were so smart that they could adapt and do that. I couldn't do that. I needed to be in a smaller class size Same because here. I needed to have that interaction. You know, for you, though, like your journey, you talked about you having some uh, – you didn't say on the spectrum, but you said you have some learning – you have some right. learning – I didn't get diagnosed on the autism spectrum until like my thirties, but I knew like something's not right here. I don't learn as fast as my, my peers for whatever reason, I gravitated toward the, the smarter kids, but they were getting A's and I wasn't. Right. And I didn't understand why. And I picked a smaller school and I was always going to the learning center and, you know, fast forward, I get this diagnosis of autism spectrum. Um, and it started you know answering some questions. And now there's a lot more options for those kinds of students who have, you know, dyslexia, autism spectrum or whatever right. than there were for me. And I tell them, I said, you know, every school is not equal in terms of the opportunities they provide for students who think and learn differently and the services. So it's a matter of finding out, you know, do you need a lot of support or do you need a little support? Do you just want a note taker or do you want someone to be in the class with you? Every student is different in terms of what they need. So let me ask you this question then. You, you weren't diagnosed till you were in your 30s. When you were going to school, I mean, you're in the education field, obviously. Were you going to school? Like, I guess my question is, did you always want to do this? Did you always want to be in some form of education or, or counseling? Like when you were going to school, before you even knew you had this learning it's not even a, it's just a different type of learning. Was, were you always going to do this or were you going to do something completely different and kind of fell into this once you found out that, wow, this has been going on my whole life. I want to help other people that I might fell be in the into same it. And, you know, I, if you're familiar with Myers-Briggs. I am. Um, I'm an INFJ to the core. And I. Well, I don't know the, I don't know the designations. I know I'm an introvert that masks as an extrovert. Well, same. And okay. I, I was on the two most visible offices on where I went to college. I went to Loyola, New Orleans. And Ooh, for someone fun. who is, exactly, for someone who is as introverted <laughs> as I am, and I was very active in the residence hall life and lived and worked on campus, and I was very active in admissions. And for the two most visible offices on campus, having the kinds of neurological challenges and learning challenges that I had, but I was able to watch other people and say, what are they doing? What do they know that I don't know? And where do I get this information? Because I want to be, I want to do what they're doing. And for having done that for so long, my first career was in the residence halls and I supervised the RAs and I was a hall director. And then, Oof. yeah, I lived and worked with them till the time I was 30 from the age. Wow. Yeah. That's a rough gig. It, it was a lot of fun. But you see everything. You see everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then I transitioned to admissions because I no longer wanted to have 700 neighbors and wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning with all of their activities. And so I've been in admissions ever since. 
And it's great, you know, helping them find their best college fit, you know, and giving them some suggestions of colleges that they've never heard of. And, you know, having them explore options that, that you know, I'd never heard of that school. And I said, you know, there's over 4,000 colleges and universities yeah. in the country. I said, I haven't seen all of them. And I've been doing this 30 years. Right. So, I mean, uh, I mean, th- it is a very interesting world that you live in that I would have never in a million years thought of it in that regard. Basically, it's proactive parents taking on the burden of the shortage that schools can't provide for their kids to be able to say, listen, we need to come to you to make sure our kids in this ultra competitive market are getting some advantage to getting into where they go. So you're dealing with a lot of high, you know, high frequency, always like dealing with kids and parents and all these different things. When you are not doing this, what do you do for fun? Are you a movie person? Do you like to mountain bike? Do you like, what do you do to let off steam when you're not, I mean, I'm assuming it's coming fast, right? August 1st, it's you're, coming. You're, you're in season any minute. In any minute. Right now, I have uh, a few students here in Tampa. I have one in Michigan, and then I do some work with international students. So thank God for World Clock because I have 10 students in Dubai, and I have two in China. So wow. I'm, like, all over the place. And so um, I definitely have spaces for um, students locally, and I'm, I'm fully remote, so I can take students anywhere. Um, but to answer your question, I like to go out to dinner and um, – going to book clubs and I have a, the kids always see, see her online. I have a four-year-old toy poodle who runs my life and to burn off steam for both of us, we're always at the dog park. So, um, so what, what part of, you're here in Tampa, what part of town are, are you generally? I'm in North Tampa. You're in North Tampa. Okay. So you're kind of, you're down 275 right in that, just outside of the city area. I am. Okay. So, um, before we wrap this up, you like to go out to restaurants. Give us a restaurant review. What's a good restaurant that you've been to recently that you're like, oh my God, I would recommend that to the listeners. So um, probably my favorite restaurant right now, in fact, I'm going there tonight with a friend, is Marlo's. Marlo's is fantastic. And their brunch is off the hook. See, now I have to check it out because when I lived in Atlanta, there was a place called Marlo's Tavern. It was like a, it was a franchise. There were multiple. There wasn't like a franchise, but there were multiple locations. But it's not the same thing. What what kind of what kind of what is the no? It's the same thing. It's the same place. Marlowe's Tavern. Yes, I yeah. love it. And their really? Sunday I, brunch is amazing. I'm gonna have to look it up and check it out. I haven't eaten there, and probably I've lived in in Florida now for about four years. So uh, it's been a while since I've eaten there. There used to be one right where I like right around the corner from where I lived in Atlanta. Um, and it was always good. It was always, you know, it was always packed. Like you could always never packed, get in Always there. good. And then for the locals here, I would put Marlo's brunch against oyster catchers. Well, oyster catchers doesn't even sound like a place that I could go because I'm allergic to shellfish and I would probably die, but I will definitely try Marlo's. Thank you for that tip. I put them back on my radar. So as we start to wrap this up here, the person that you're looking to get your target audience is those parents with kids ages whatever eighth grade is 13 to like 13 to 17 you know and you're thinking about you know what classes do my student need to does my student need to take what are great activities and extracurriculars and i tell students you know what are you interested in because if you're building that college resume just to impress us that's the wrong way to go 
Yeah. Do what interests you. Do what really excites you. And that's going to excite us. Yeah, I mean, I think, right, the, like, that would be like me saying, I want to go to Juilliard, uh, I'm going to p- pick up the violin, and I hate it, and I'm miserable doing it. Like, it's got to be things that the kids are genuinely interested in, but I'm assuming you help them, because there's, I mean, listen, at eighth grade, I mean, especially now, I mean, how many eighth graders do you get in that are like, I just want to play Call of Duty or whatever? I don't even know what the games are they play anymore. No, I, I don't, and the other thing I have students do is, even though I've been doing college admissions for a very long time and many parts of it I can do in my sleep, one thing I didn't realize with the business is because social media has certainly evolved, you know, I look for students and say, you know, if you want an internship, you can do my SEO, you can do my social media because keeping up with that as a one woman show, that's a lot. Right. And, you know, if, if they want to take over my Instagram, if they want to take over my YouTube, I, I'm welcome that because I don't get it. That yeah. is just above get my your, Get some, some free labor for extracurriculars for them. That's a win-win for, sure. for everybody. It's an internship. That's great. I might have an internship opportunity for one of your students. That would be good. Um, so as we start to wrap this up, what is the one thing that, you know, folks that are listening to this, that they need to know about you, um, you know, admissions untangled, you, you know, your affiliations, what should they take away from this to say, look, we need to work with you? So what I want to say to students and parents is our tagline is um, with admissions untangled, don't let the college process tie you up in knots. This is not meant to be a stressful, you know, keep you up at night process. That that's my job. You know, let the stress fall on us as the college counselor and, you know, make a free consultation with me, you know, give us a call, shoot us an email. I am at, um, Jereen, that's G-E-R-E-N-E, Jereen at admissionsuntangled.com. And then you can find us on our website at um, www.admissionsuntangled.com or give us a call and, you know, give us a a try and then um, we will be happy to work with you. And Jereen, what is the phone number again? 813-285-0077. Excellent. So guys, if you're listening to this podcast, moms and dads with your, your, pre-teen, soon-to-be teenage children that you want to help them get into college and your local school administration is not giving you the direction that you're hoping for, that extra edge, contact Jereen. Let her be stressed out. Let her take it out on her poor teacup poodle that she has to keep the stress level down on her end so that you keep the stress level down on your end. Jereen, thank you so much for being on the Good Neighbor Podcast. We look forward to... uh, hearing from some of your future interns in the near future. You have a great day. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Good Neighbor Podcast Passcode. To nominate your favorite local businesses to be featured on the show, go to gnppasco.com. That's gnppasco.com or call 813-922-3610.